This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by no one. No, really, no one. No one sponsored us. Okay, here we go. Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Hi, buddy. Greg, today on sh- today today <laughs> this is a great right. start. Uh, on today's show, we have a guest. His name is Brendan Fitzpatrick. He is from Gotham Sports Network. We're going to talk all things Rangers with him. We get pretty in depth of what the Rangers should do this off season. We go into a little bit of the expansion draft. We touch on Shattenkirk, and we reveal a little birdie's information on Shattenkirk that he he. Uh, Oh, no, save it, save it. They'll get there. Has They'll received. There. I was just saying, I was teasing. He has received. We'll get that in the interview later on today. Uh, yeah, but we break news on this podcast. We actually do. It's kind of weird. And then uh, also today's podcast, we'll talk a little bit about the Swedish Championship, then or or AKA if you're a longtime listener, the Switzerland Championship. And uh, from there, we'll go into the interview. And then what was that? Oh, you're an idiot. Yeah, I'm Actually, idiot. I, for, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, not you guys can clip that. And then if we go uh, longer than that, we will go do the Guardians of the Galaxy recap, where Greg and I will kind of fight it out on Guardians of the Galaxy two. So if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy two, stick oh, on for that. Oh, we fight it out. I forgot, dude. Oh, well, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's gonna be recording right after we record this first part. But let's start with Hedrick Lundqvist winning the Sweden. Uh, the Sweden. Uh, how do I word this? He won the World Championships uh, for they won the Sweden. World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very easy way to word it. It's just common English. Well, yeah, common English. That's something I do. Uh, but let's talk about that. Was it good to see Hank win this championship, or was it bittersweet? Uh, good for Hank. I'm happy for Hank. Whatever keeps Hank happy keeps me happy. Um, and it's one of those things. You know, he's got two thirds of the Trident now. All he has to do is win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And, uh, Waiting on you, buddy. That, you know, Sidney Crosby's done it, I think. I think Crosby's taken home a world yes. championship and a gold medal. Hank's got the gold medal. He's got the world championship. Doesn't have the cup. So I don't really get the world nah, championship, but, though. You know what? The thing, the thing that stood out to me most about it were everything everyone on Team Sweden was saying about Hank. They couldn't have been happier for him. They felt he was a calming voice. The back They knew... When you had someone like Hank behind you, that it lets you, it frees you up as a player. And it had me thinking, like, that should be the case for the Rangers, shouldn't it? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> hmm. For whatever reason. You think Stefan should be fighting with him in a playoff game? Hmm. I, I, look, I will say the stakes are completely different in a world championship than it is a Stanley Cup playoff, but. No, it's just it's. I'm happy Hank's happy. It's but also at the less same time, like less talent, the, you know. Yeah, the things the it's things that Swedish players, notable Swedish players, were saying about playing with Henrik Lundqvist that that was what was most notable to me. There is serious love for people that play with Henrik Lundqvist, and it's just got, it's got it. They got to win a cup for Hank. Like it's getting to a point where. I personally don't subscribe to the notion that if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup, it's a blemish on his resume. But I know that talk will exist, oh, and it's unfortunate. It can't not exist. Like, look at, especially in the NBA, look at Charles Barkley. That's all he hears all the time. Charles Barkley was a freak. 
guy's a guy's a legend. But yeah, he's a six foot four power forward that somehow led the league in rebounds. Like unreal. Yeah. But yeah, and I mean, Carl Malone had the same stigma. John Stockton had the same stigma. Uh, you go to other sports. As much as people give, you know, everyone loves Ted Williams and they speak so highly of him. They say he revolutionized hitting. And they also say he never won a championship with the Red Sox. Uh, you know, as know. good as Mike Trout is every year, people say, oh, well, you can't be that God. good. He's not on a winning team. The Mike Trout thing makes me furious. Baseball, legit, I know we're, this is a hockey podcast. We're going to talk so much hockey today, but I want to get into this for a second. Baseball needs a face of baseball. Right now, who would you, who would you say the face of baseball is? Well, you know, for you and me, it's Mike Trout because we're yeah, because we care about baseball, foreign baseball but like, fans. But isn't I think the casual yeah. fan, the casual fan, would say someone like Noah Syndergaard. Isn't Derek Jeter's is still like the face of baseball <laughs> for like the most? Uh, you know what? I, I I take it back, and I'm I'm not just taking it back because you know I'm a Met fan and fuck them. Yeah. But uh, I th- I think people more people a, a casual b- sports fan knows Bryce Harper, and they might not know Mike Trout. That's my point. And Bryce Harper, when he's a Yankee, is going to be the biggest sports superstar for baseball. Uh, he's he's popular now, but when he's a Yankee, he's going to be taken over. He's going to be everywhere. You're, you well, can't and the not, thing, not the thing about Harper is, you know, Harper's a guy that he gets both sides of the spectrum. People love him. People hate him. Um, you know, in the middle is a very talented baseball player. But no one has strong opinions on Mike Trout. Of, yeah. I mean, because maybe it's because Mike Trout is – He's just such a fucking likable guy. Also, he just like, all he wants to do is hit balls and look at the weather. That's it. That's like all Mike Trout's dream is. And I just Mike, wish Mike Trout is perfectly content right now. And I mean, I wouldn't say perfectly content because I'm sure Mike Trout wants to, he wants to win. not just get to the playoffs, but win a World Series one day. It's just, you know, nobody has a bad thing to say about Mike Trout. And sometimes I wonder if something like that is a something that takes away from the greatness of a player. Like you know, people have strong opinions one way or the other about Derek Jeter, about Alex Rodriguez, about Barry Bonds, about Roger Clemens. Those are guys that, despite how talented they are, people can hate them. And I don't think people can hate Mike Trout. While people can surely hate Bryce Harper, and that makes more people talk about Bryce Harper, even though, in my mind, I, I Bryce Harper is just He's he's not in the same class, but at the same time, nobody is in Mike Trout's class. Mike Trout is an absolute legend if he retires today. That's and he's not he's a Hall of Famer, and he's not twenty six. He's, he's not even twenty six. And if Mike Trout was in like he was, was on the Chicago Cubs, if he was a Yankee, even if he was a Met, he would be he would be worshipped, worshipped, Greg. Like I don't I don't think he's worshipped as an angel, or maybe I'm just not tuned in like that. Well, I think the other thing that hurts Trout, and I know this is a hockey podcast, we talk a lot of hockey today, guys. I promise, Do not worry. We, promise. we we go deep on the Rangers, um, even though literally nothing has happened since they fell out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um the other problem with Mike Trout is he doesn't have another star to play off of. Like Albert Pujols is there, but Albert Pujols is on his retirement tour, and I think everyone kind of knows it. He's been on retirement tour for like three years now. He's got five years left in his contract or something like that. Right. Like imagine if say Mike Trout played with a um not a like say Jake Arietta was out in LA with Mike Trout. Arietta's a bit of a polarizing figure every now and then. He says says some controversial stuff. Yeah, he does. Or even like Bumgarner and Trout on the same team. Yeah, now we're I think talking. everyone everyone would not be able to stop talking about that pairing. Now we're talking. But really, you know, Mike Trout, he's on an island. Like gun to your head, who's the second best player on the Angels right now? I can't tell you. I I can't. 
Uh, Jared Richards, if he's healthy, but he's never healthy. Like the second best angel who's healthy is probably. Jeez, this is CJ bad. Cron. Yeah. CJ Cron? Cron was actually where I was going to go too. I can't believe. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they they showed a figure during Sunday's Met, uh, Friday's Met game actually. What one the one the Mets actually won? Mike Trout has an OPS over uh, twelve hundred. <laughs> Second on the Angels is Yunel Escobar at seven thirty five. Ew, that's so and low. And Escobar is the only other player over seven hundred on the entire team. How is that possible? They're just they're not good. I mean, think of the lineup they put out. The Mets on Friday and Saturday just didn't pitch to Trout. Because Luis Valbuena was hitting behind Trout, and he's hitting a buck eighty. Oh, Cavern Maven plays on that team. Wow, man. Yeah, and Maven's is... not—he's not good. He's not having a good year. No, I know. I didn't think he was. Oh man, Simba. Daniel Escobar is legitimately the only other player on that team having an average I feel year. So bad for Trout. I'm sorry we got into this Trout uh, escapade, but I—I I, this was something I needed to get off my chest because I just wish this guy um, wasn't somewhere else in a big market that where he deserves to be. Even if he's in, that's the crazy thing. He's in a big market. He's just on the wrong team in a big market. Yeah. If he's a Dodger, holy crap. Like <laughs> you're never not seeing but, Mike Trout's face if he's a Dodger. And that's, but again, I think that goes back to the person, personalities around him. Like look, people on the angels have been plenty popular before when the angels were good in the early two thousands, everyone knew K-Rod, Vladimir Guerrero was winning MVPs. Bartolo Colon was winning Cy Young's like, the Angels can have stars. They can have marketable stars. They can have guys on that team that makes you stop and want to watch the Angels. The problem right now is they they just don't even have a good player to pair with Mike Trout. They have nothing but Mike Trout, and they have nothing in their minor league system. All right, let's get back to like, Rangers for now. Um, yeah, I so, ran, ran over. I'm just saying, like... Sorry about that. We, I, we I need to get that off our Mike chest. Trout had, if Mike Trout had a second banana, would he be more popular? And I think the answer is yes. I think so, too. You think you've convinced me. We got a listener question from our good friend Keener. Uh, could you guys talk about how you feel about Scott Arnell or speculate if he may or be gone, may or may not be gone next season? Uh, uh, well, for the first time, for the first time in a very long time, Ryan, not to jump right in, but no, I'm go going on. to. Go on. There, there is talk about the Rangers making changes on their coaching staff, uh, and I, it doesn't sound like the changes are going to be with the head honcho, which means we're going to get at least one more year of AV which is unfortunate and going to be a problem for this team moving forward. But that's neither here nor there. That's not what the question was about. Um, look, the Rangers have been a middle-of-the-road power play team since Arnell's been here. I think since he's taken over, the number I've seen is they've ranked 18th in the NHL, which when you think about it isn't terrible, but it's also... Not the best. Definitely something that is holding the Rangers back. It's if not you were a to pinpoint, team. It's not top Yeah, if you were to pinpoint... One thing that the Rangers just aren't good at, uh, if you weren't going to say defensively, they have been embarrassingly bad since seemingly the Tortorella administration on the power play. Um, And you can say, you know, a part of that is the fact that the Rangers have never really had a uh, power play point guard defensively. Even I mean, if you can't make the power play work with Keith Yandel, it's starting to look like the system. Um, Because... The Rangers should have been better on the power play with Yandel, and they just weren't. They didn't get better. They may have taken a step backwards. How many times during the season do you think you say to yourself, man, I wish we could have just kept playing 5v5? (laughs) Oh, I have an ongoing joke with uh, one of my good friends in Savannah who's a longtime Ranger fan. Uh, He and I text all the time where one of us will be like, we need to start declining penalties. Uh, And it's true. 
It's it, it's very true. And in fact, it's it's gotten to the point with the Rangers where they're so good on the um, shorthanded breakaway that on a power play, I wish the Rangers were going to the box. The Blue Shirts breakaway. Nice plug there. Uh, so hey, I think is. Scott Ornell gets replaced. I'm... I think I just, I, I'm 50-50 on it. I'm not. I, I, here, should he get replaced? Absolutely. Will he? This kind of goes back to the Rangers' whole problem. They're, the good old boys network is still strong. Well, I make that point. You know, we, we get to that later in the interview where I talk about how everyone loves each other. But I think Scott Arnell might be the one piece that does fall. Um, well, Ulf, Ulf's gone. So they've already lost Ulf. I think he's uh, – I want to say he's off to Chicago as an assistant coach now. Um but I saw today that Ulf Samuelson is left. So okay, the Rangers will definitely need to add one new coach. And, of course, it's going to be a defensive coach. Um, and, of course, the Rangers will say, well, there you go. We addressed our one thing. But, you know, you and I both know that's not just the one thing. And nope. it goes – I really think as ineffective as Arnell has been on the Rangers' power play – it's like blaming the hitting coach for your team struggling offensively. It kind of goes back to one, the players the Rangers have on the power play, and two, the head guy who's calling the shots. Like, if you really want to make a noticeable change in your ranks, it's not going to be with an assistant coach. I think it could help. I'll, I'll disagree with you. I, I I agree with you on the fact that it's not going to make the the world a difference, but it could make the power play ten percent better. And that's all I really want at this point in time. I think Arnell's think, system isn't really working for us. It's been proven not to work. So why wouldn't but we is, change? Is it Arnell's system or AV's? Or is, yeah, it's AV's. I still think it's Arnell. And I think I think AV is this, gives is this a situation with you where um, it's not so much it could help or is it it couldn't hurt? It couldn't hurt. I would go there. I would say it couldn't yeah. hurt. But when you say it couldn't hurt, that's also the reason why it hesitates where I hesitate and think he might actually survive. Yep, he might. I think as long as AV's here, AV's very comfortable with him. And I think as long as AV's here, he's going to have a significant voice in that room. And I think he'll fight for him. Um, for, but again, like if there's another head coach and Arnell's still here, I think the power play would still improve. Like Arnell is not the entire problem. Um, and I will admit that he's also definitely not the solution, but you know, I still think, you know, you're cutting off the nose to spite the face. Next news story, and then we'll move on to our interview here. Chris Drury is now the GM of the Wolfpack. Do we have a reason why Chris Drury took this job? He was assistant GM at the Rangers. Is this a downgrade for Chris Drury, or is this a way for the Rangers to secretly keep him from getting poached? Uh, Actually, this is a promotion for Drury in my mind, because you have to remember the AHL is not like the minor league system in baseball. Like there are guys that play for the Wolfpack that are not property of the New York Rangers. They can take in, people can sign contracts with the Wolfpack that is independent of the Rangers. And if the Rangers want to call them up, they would have to then sign them to their own contract. Um, and I think Drury being in charge in Hartford means something to college players that might be making a stop in Hartford along the way. Uh, I think it's an attractive destination for, notable NCAA free agents or draft picks. I mean, that's kind of what we that, need to re- restock with, right, at this point, because our fans right, are so barren. Knowing knowing a guy like Drury, who is so well-respected in the business and, you know, his playing career speaks for himself, knowing that guy is in charge of your immediate NHL future, I think that is beneficial 
for a player who may be coming to Hartford. Um, so I do, I think it is a step up from being an assistant GM. I don't think it's the same necessarily. Like, I think you and I think of, when we think of front office structure, we usually base it off of what we know about baseball. And it's just sim- simply put, the AHL is not, it's a league compatible to AAA baseball, but it's run very differently. Very. And uh, I see I see this as not just a, a promotion, but a significant one. And I think um, a, a significant enough of one where Jeff Gordon should probably be looking over his shoulder a little bit. That's kind of what my next point was. I think this for Chris Jury, uh, this is a stepping stone for him. He wants to get his feet, get his feet wet in the GM game, get in there and really learn the ins and outs of it. He was an assistant GM already for the Rangers. Now you're going to have him for a year or two or three uh, down at the Wolfpack, and then he's going to want to move up to the major league level here. So uh, and and I think the Rangers like that Drury's been going about it the right way. Um, he hasn't demanded anything. He hasn't. He's worked his way up the ladder, and I think that goes a long way in front office circles. They the Rangers see him putting in the work. They know him since his playing days. I think they very much like having Chris Drury as one of the most important voices in the room. So I th- I think they were very happy to give him this promotion, and I think. Uh, within the next five years, Chris Jerry will be, if not the general manager of the Rangers, he will be a NHL general general manager for someone. I cannot wait to hate on all the moves that Chris Jerry makes as a Rangers team. Oh, yeah. No it's doubt about incredible. it. Incredible. No doubt about it. Hey, it's here's a great. quick question before we move on. I think this is pretty interesting. What current Ranger is going to be on this coaching staff in five years? Girardi. It is, right? It's definitely Girardi. It's not, yeah, it's I, not think even Girardi. I think I think you can make a case that Girardi will be on the coaching staff next year. That's a really good, it's a really good point. It wouldn't surprise um, me whatsoever. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, look, when all the things we say about Girardi that are complaints aside, here's a guy that grinded his way through the minor leagues, grinded his way into the NHL lineup, made a very good NHL career for himself, performed very well in his prime. It's just it's one of those things where, you know, he didn't age well. And that's no fault of his. Not every player is going to age like Henrik Lundqvist. So... Uh, I, the reason why Girardi has hung around this long is because of how well respected the uh, Rangers front office and coaching staff views him and treats him and you know honors him. So, yeah, I think if Girardi wanted to retire tomorrow, I think the Rangers would be like, "Well, we got a spot on the bench." Yeah, we got. Come on, buddy, let's go. I, I don't think I don't know if Dan Girardi is necessarily you know head coaching material, but no, absolutely, I can absolutely see him as an assistant coach. All right, man, that was a good answer, and I agree with you. Let's move on to our Brennan uh, Fitzpatrick interview right now, where we'll go all things Rangers, as if we hadn't started doing that already. Let's move on. Whoop. And we're back with Brandon Fitzpatrick of Gotham Dark Knight Sports. He is a writer, and he wrote recently an article about Ilya Kovalchuk, and you can check that out on Gotham Sports. Uh, what's the exact website? Is it GothamSports.com? Yeah, it's uh, GothamSN.com. GothamSN.com. You can check out the Kovalchuk article there. It's very good and rather entertaining of reasons why Kovalchuk won't be coming to the Rangers. Uh, but, Brennan, uh, what made you get the motivation to write this article so far? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, I've, I've been, you know, I'm in a couple different uh, Ranger Facebook groups and Twitter groups. And, uh, you know, I just saw a bunch of people like floating the idea around if, if they should be going after him. And people said they want him. He's the the sniper they need that they've been missing. And and uh, I just think it's all all ridiculous. I mean, the guy is I mean, he's what, 34 years old and, and he literally walked out on his team after signing like a 13 year contract. So, you know, I'm just 
I'm, uh, I'm, I don't think I've ever been against something more in my life than the Rangers trading for Ilya Kovachuk. Now, a lot of Ranger fans listen to this podcast mostly because it's a Rangers podcast. Do you think it's ridiculous how we overreact to most everything that happens, or is that just the New York lifestyle? Oh yeah, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's crazy, but I mean, it, it, like you said, it is the New York lifestyle. I mean, uh, at, right after a loss, you got people on on Twitter and Facebook saying, you know, trade this guy, fire this guy, blow it all up, and just restart from scratch. I mean, everyone needs to take like. I, I give it like the twelve hour rule, just twelve hours decompress, and then start making your crazy hot takes. That's how that's how I consider it. Not to be that guy, but Greg has been on the fire AV train train for like a year and a half now. He has been trumpeting <laughs> that. But it's one of those things where like I've been on the train so long that I beat the hype. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't want anyone else on my train. I've been driving this train. Since you were the trendsetter for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, this has gone back since June of last year. I thought he wasn't the right coach, and I. He hasn't done anything to prove me wrong. I've pretty much poo-pooed it for a year and a half, and now I'm finally coming around. Are you on the also the fire AV train at this point, or are you like, let's relax? Oh, I'm like, I'm so 50-50 on it, because like, his system like his system fits the team that they have so great, like the counterattack, you know, you know, make the team, make your opposition make mistakes, and then just, you know, rush back the other way, but... But his just deployment decisions and like his his lineup decisions drive me nuts. Drive me nuts. Like the last two games, he had Nick Holden on the wing on the power play. I'm like, are are you kidding me? Like, how how is that possible? How is that the guy you think you need out there when you're three for thirty nine on the power play? Nick Holden. Brennan, I, I just it I don't makes think, no sense. I don't think you're understanding. Nick Holden is a winger. Like, what are you not, <laughs> what are you not getting? He plays wing. Wait. He's not a defenseman. I don't know. Oh, uh, he's he's something else. That guy. Uh, he, I will just I will just once again say that if you're trying to look hard for reasons to keep a coach that's the number one reason to get rid of him like that's a great point by keeping him and you're looking for excuses to keep him uh it, he's outstayed as welcome that's that's when you need to make the move i think i've said you this can't have any doubt you either 100 need to be in or if you're not 100 in even if you're only 85 in that's enough reason to try and find a different coach i think i've said this podcast before i couldn't find reasons why i liked av like i had a bunch of reasons and then i just couldn't find them anymore so, yeah, it's like it. He's just like it, it's just so hard, like because he's he's been successful since he's got here. But like this team was in place to win when he got here, right? Like, and he he took him to the next level for sure. He, but they've like regressed every single year. They went to the Cup final the first year, Conference finals the year after that, lost in the first round, lost in the second round. And you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of making changes simply to make changes. But like after a while, you got someone's got to look in in like and see what's going on here. Like the fact that. You know, Smith and Shea and those, I mean, they're beating a dead horse here, but like Smith and Brady Shea, like Brendan Smith and Brady Shea, not getting minutes in the last five minutes of games when you had leads in favor of, you know, Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl, Nick Holden. It's just, it's just, it's, there's no, there's no excuse for it. I mean, it just shows the disconnect of what he evaluates his players as, as opposed to other coaches around the league and just people on Twitter, for, for instance. Right now, the Senators are getting obliterated by the Pittsburgh Penguins. They actually lost seven nothing. I believe this was scored the other night. Is that is that correct? Yeah, they got rocked. They got absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say a word that was not appropriate, but they got rocked. You said. <laughs> and uh, do you think the Rangers would have any chance beating this Penguins team, considering the Penguins is pretty mu- are pretty much uh, rostering a half an AHL team this at this point? Yeah, I, I think they could have definitely won. I think they could have competed easily. Ah! <laughs> it just it's it's what makes it so frustrating. The yeah. Ottawa series too, like like the. The Penguins' defense is like arguably worse than the Rangers. Like right now, that's how banged up they are. They have no Latang. Schultz is banged up. I mean, they're playing Brian Dumlin and Ron Hainsey like twenty minutes a night. Like that's that's worse than playing Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl twenty minutes a night. So you know, it, it, 
I didn't see it's equal. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It, it, it just drives me nuts that they lost that series because it was just it was right there. It was literally right there. And and, and the 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 game like it going into game six where the the Senators had a lead for what like thirteen minutes. I mean, it, the you have to. Series, yeah. yeah, losing losing a series like that. Those are like they the Rangers like all those guys talk about the King series and how that haunts them. Like this series should haunt them more than the the fucking or freaking King series. I'm excuse you, you my language. Oh, no, you can oh, swear. Yeah. Swearing, oh, swearing, right, right. We get we here. get emails about swearing. We're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 rehabilitating back to home life after college, so I, I got I got to watch myself anyway. So no, nah, man, we've but, been out but, of college. Curse it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you look back at, at the series and like it's just such a, a lost opportunity. Like the Penguins and Capitals just beat crap out of each other. And then the Penguins are are so banged up and like, you know, it, it was just right there. It was right there. And the Rangers' best players weren't even playing well. Like that's what makes it even more frustrating because like a guy like Stepan or a guy like Nash or Kreider, like if they just flip the switch for six or seven games, I mean, they're, they're playing for the, the cup, I mean, in, in like another week or so. And Kreider did flip the yep. switch. It was just for 25 minutes. That was it. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last the last 20 minutes of the season. That's my guy. Yeah, but that, that goes back to everything that I was saying going into the playoffs that you and I have talked about many times before, where if the Rangers had the first wild card, it's hard not to look at the season as anything more than a disappointment because it was right there for them. The Rangers had the perfect spot. They had to play the Canadians. They had to play the Senators. And then they were going to get the Penguins and Capitals after a grueling seven-game series. You could not have asked for a more perfect path to a Stanley Cup final than that if you're the Rangers. And, you know, I've, I've said it once, I'll say it a hundred times, the Rangers definitely won four games against the Senators. They won that series in five games. It's just the fact that, you know, A.V. made the wrong coaching decisions with two minutes to play in two game two and game five. The Rangers end up losing those games, and all of a sudden they're out of the playoffs. But that's why I'm so frustrated with A.V. That's why I think A.V. is and should be, and hopefully, I mean, I – He's not going to get fired, which is the most disappointing part no, of all. No, he got of this, an extension, man. He's he's around. He's still. I mean, I think the leash. I think the leash is short, though, because because uh, I remember reading the quotes. I think it was after either game game two or game three, uh, when like Smith and Shea weren't playing, and I remember seeing quotes that were kind of interesting about um how he talked with Jeff Gordon, the the general manager, about some lineup things and some things like that, and then the next game Brady Shea was second in ice time, so that that kind of like as just a guy reading quotes and play armchair GMing and coaching, like that makes me believe that there's kind of like a disconnect on how the, the, you know, the management and the coach like analyze their players. I couldn't disagree more. And I think they all love each other in a way that is like, <laughs> I, I really think they all love each other in a way that there's no way this gets broken up for another three years. Like I think AV's yeah. leash is really long despite, yeah, the, despite I, the, I, all I, the fans hating him. I unfortunately agree with Ryan here. That's weird. It goes back to my theory of <laughs> Gordon really wants to – Gordon has all the power in the world. If he doesn't want to make a coaching change, he could easily make a change to the players that appear on the bench every game. He could simply say, no, Nick Holden is scratched tonight. We're going with be it Camphor or Clandenning or whoever you want. It's AV – part of the problem with him is he was given the toys and the toys were never taken away from him. If you're not going to take the toys away from AV – then there is a responsibility that falls on Gorton. Gorton could have created an answer to the problem in himself. He didn't need to make these players available to AV. And it's one of those things where, you know, AV likes the toys that he likes. And if you're going to give him free reign to choose his toys, of course, he's going to go with what he prefers. And it's just 
a frustrating situation where he prefers inferior players. Well, they're just his dudes. Like, they're his older veterans. Yeah. He's, been, he's been to war with them. So he's like, I trust these guys. I don't trust Brady Shea, even though he's the best, second best defenseman on this team. <laughs> so yeah that, that that stuff's the most infuriating too like like just the trust like the when you see all those quotes about like oh we're an experienced group like we've got experienced guys here and like the, the that just drives me nuts because just because you're experienced doesn't mean you're good like i have this argument with my dad all the time like my dad's dan girardi can still be a top four defenseman in the league and i'm like what games are you watching man like what what are you what is wrong with you so it's like it's just there's people like that like they they think just because he they they've won with them like not because of them, in spite of them, that they you can still win with them at this point, and it just it gets me so mad, so R- mad. Ryan McDonough uh, plays for two a lot with Girardi. Uh, it's it's hard to yeah. explain that to people that he makes up yeah. for Girardi's faults. Uh, for a, it's, a it's a shame that Ryan McDonough has to like, like we've we've never seen Ryan McDonough fully like unleashed because he's he has to cover for this like a, a traffic cone basically out there. I guess this is a good yeah, transition they're... into uh, how do you feel about Chattenkirk then? In that case, well, I I, I actually I, I have like a, a little birdie that, that kind of says it's like already a done deal that he's coming. So like I'm I'm with I'm with it. You know, uh, he's he's from like around my area, and I know someone who plays like golf with him every now and then, who said it's it's pretty much like a a done deal. But um, I I think he's he's not the answer, but he's a real big step in the right direction. You know, the the, the term and the the like the cap hit he's going to get is going to be high. Like it's going to be real high because that's just what the price is for a, a UFA right-handed defenseman who can quarterback a power play on the market. But like he's a real big step in the right direction. It just depends what happens with everyone else, like what the moving pieces around that are to to help him put him in a successful, put him in a position to succeed. Breaking news, yeah, Birdie, think- Birdie confirms Shattenkirk to the Rangers. You heard it, <laughs> you heard it first. The Rangers, more so than maybe any other team, are in a position where, honestly, subtraction is significant addition. Like, you know, you've said um, so many times before, like adi- addition by subtraction. That means more to the Rangers than anything else. Simply by the Rangers finding a way to rid themselves. I mean, they're going to have to buy out Girardi if they want to move him. Um, there are still reports out there that, for whatever reason, even after everything we've seen, teams seem to have at least mild interest in Mark Stahl, where you might <laughs> be able to trade a bad contract for a bad contract. How is that possible? Uh, and I, I don't know. I honestly don't you know. know. Yeah, Here's how it's possible. Crazy. I have a good idea. So Mark Stahl, he got hurt, right? We, we all agree that he hurt his eye and then he wasn't the same player? Yep. I was at that game. Okay. That was gru- gruesome. Gruesome, obviously. And he was also not the same uh, after the concussion. Like, he had yeah, a concussion, concussion earlier in yep. the year, and he was just sluggish the rest of the year. If I'm another team, and I could trade a, a contract of a guy I really hate to kind of get Mark Stahl, who I've seen play well, is still relatively young, and the contract is bad, but not... Oh, it's bad. I guess I can't just say it's awful. Uh, I, I might want to take a chance on Mark Stahl over something I really already hate on my team. I could, I could see that logic already. Am I wrong? Right. That's, yeah. And that's really the only logic I can even think of. I honestly, I just don't know what team could possibly hate a player as much as like the Rangers don't <laughs> like Mark Stahl right now. And then, you know, all the reports out there, the more and more, I, it seems like there are only three players Vegas is going to choose from come expansion draft time. It's either going to be Ranta, Lindbergh, or Nick Holden. And I have no idea why Nick Holden is number three. And people please, seem to please take him. Nick Holden. Please take him. Like imagine <laughs> the, the Rangers would be able to get rid of three of their biggest problems defensively: Girardi, Stahl, and Holden, and only have to trade one of them. Wait, let's play. Explain uh, it to Ryan for a second. Yeah. Why wouldn't they take Jesper Fast? That's my obvious pick. 
Uh, yeah. Something about him being a restricted free agent, maybe. Oh, know? I thought he was available. I guess so. You don't get the you don't I, get the control. Be, but it's one of those things where if the Rangers extend him, I think he's protected. Okay. Because yeah. he he meets a certain criteria under. He hasn't been in the league long. It's the same thing with Lin- if the Rangers extend Lindbergh, it protects him too. Okay. It's like service time and stuff like that, right? Some, some right. along those lines. Okay, now yeah, if you extend your restricted free agents, they are you don't have to protect them. They are automatically protected. Now explain it to Ryan part two. Why would they take Ronta when they could take Flurry or Murray? Uh, I guess well, lower cap hit probably. Yeah, Ronta's cap hit is under I think like two million. Flurry's is over five and still has the no movement clause. And Murray's um, is Murray still protected too because he's young? Yeah, Murray's Murray's yeah. protected. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Right. So, and it's one of those things where, like, I mean, just look at the contract. Like, people like the Ben Bishop contract, and people like the Scott Garland contract that have already been signed. But these are guys that might not be able to handle a forty-game work schedule anymore, and they're getting four and a half million dollars a year. So you have someone like Auntie Ranta, who at the minimum can give you you know, 40 to 45 serviceable games as a starter when you're an expansion franchise for well below market value. I think that really pushes up his value. And it also will, if the if Vegas takes someone like Ranta with a low cap hit, they can absorb bad contracts on other teams to get good players. Like if um, the Blackhawks, who always need to do cap manipulation, if they shed a contract with Vegas, they'll have to do like what they did with the Hurricanes last year and give them a player a caliber of a Teruteo Vinen. So that's a way Vegas can kind of game the system and get a good player by taking on a bad contract. Yeah, the Vegas stuff is so interesting. It just adds like such a such a wrinkle to this offseason and like everything. Even even with every team, you know, like the Rangers and teams like the Ducks and the and the Predators and teams that have like good young players, controllable cost contracts, like the Vegas stuff is going to be just fascinating to watch. Oh, the Ducks are going to lose like a good defenseman. Like, <laughs> legit, yeah. like oh, a absolutely. legit good defenseman. Right. I, I, and that's exactly why the Ducks should have traded the defenseman during the regular season. But at the same time, I mean, look at the Ducks. Yeah. Like, yeah. A couple things go differently in that Western Conference final series, and they could be in the Stanley Cup. So it's really hard to blame the Ducks for trying to just keep their chips and go all in because they could easily trade one of those guys before the expansion draft after the season. And the Ducks knew like, they were the good enough. still be there. Like, when we had Yandel, we, we knew we weren't good enough, and yet we didn't trade him. So the, the, Ducks yeah. knew, the Ducks knew they were good enough to make this run. They saw the tea leaves and the Blackhawks. Maybe, maybe they saw the Blackhawks before anyone else did. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna get swept by the Predators. I mean, now they're getting beat by their Predators, but we don't know what's gonna happen from here. Right, and I think it's one of those things where the value of their players haven't really changed. I think Lindholm, the value has decreased a little bit because he had a bit of a slow season. But guys like Cam Fowler and Vitan, and you can still get high-priced um, players or picks for them. So. Exactly. And then you got the other two coming up, uh, Theodore and, and Montour, who are like just as they're going to be just as good as like the Vatten and, 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 you know, like a Fowler type. So they're just loaded with those guys, which is which sucks that it really it, it, from like a from a team building standpoint, like you do everything right. You bring up all the defensemen, you draft well, you develop well. And then, you know, a new team comes in and you got you got to make decisions because because you, you can't protect everyone. That's a nice Brandon, problem to have. have. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, I do have a question for you uh, while we're talking offseason moves. It Absolutely. Seems, come, uh, come Ranger offseason time, it really seems like every week there's a new argument that Rangers Twitter needs to get into. And this week it seems to be, um, should the Rangers trade Derek Stepan? And the popular counterpoint to that is, no, keep Stepan, trade Kevin Hayes. Where do you fall on this? 
Oh, I'm I'm torn. I'm I'm the biggest Derek Stepan apologist you're gonna find. Um, I think he's great. I think he had. I think he was banged up. I, I didn't see anything from breakup day that he was hurt, but like you know, I remember he had a hip injury, which could kind of explain his his slowness. I guess um slower than usual. But the thing with me with Stepan, like I saw Larry Brooks's article on the post about like replacing him with Lindbergh and Hayes. But like the thing about that, if you're replacing him with Lindbergh and Hayes, like you've never seen them do what Stepan does. You know, like Stepan's a matchup center. He plays against the other team's best players and he still puts up 50, 55 points a season, which is really hard to do. You know, and I understand that he's, I'm not a big fan of the 6.5 mil for his cap it either. Like I get that and I get that the no trade clause kicks in. But like the thing for me is like, it, it all comes back to, to, to for, like, Henrik Lundqvist. And, like, the window with Henrik Lundqvist is so close to being shut. Like, the guy only has – you already saw the slippage this year. He, he started declining a little bit. And, like, if you trade Derek Stepan, you're weakening your team. There's no other way around it because the, the Rangers' center depth is the weakest – besides their defensive depth is probably the weakest part of their team. Like, they don't have anyone really coming up besides Lindbergh and Hayes. And, you know, I, I like Oscar Lindbergh. I think he's a good player. I think he'd be a great third-line center. But like thinking that he could be a top matchup guy, same with Hayes. When you haven't seen it and you need to win with this goalie before he's done, I mean, it. it, it if the only way I, I'll put it this way, the only way I trade Derek Stepan, Stepan is if I know I'm getting a top four, either right-handed or left-handed shot defenseman in return that could play on the power play. Like a guy, a guy like Matt Dumba on the wild, that would be like one of the very few things I would do to trade him just because I, I just don't think you can replace him like that easily. You probably can't replace him that easily. He is also kind of a leader on this team. I don't want to be sports typical uh, talking head here, but he is the guy that like kind of takes control of the locker room. You see him in all the post-game interviews having the most fun out of everyone, and he kind of could be like a voice in that locker room, whereas I don't know who else is a leader there. Like, Who else do you think is a leader in the locker room? I, I guess Nash, you know, like Nash seems to be more, but he's not like but a Nash vocal is so leader passive. to me. Like, he's, yeah, just, he, like, he's more like a lead by example type guy. Lead by example, like not scoring in the playoffs, kind of guy. <laughs> that's what that's what you mean. Okay. Uh. Uh, I think I also think the interesting part of the whole dynamic that some people are picking up on, but I think most people have a hard time wrapping their head around it because Stepan, even though he's a frontline center, that six and a half million dollar cap it is expensive. So yeah, it's a lot. You look at a guy like Kevin Hayes, who, let's be honest, up and down at best, he showed. Flashes this year that were fantastic. I mean, there was a, a legitimate month of the season where the Hayes-Miller-Grabner line was the best thing going for the Rangers, and that's oh, not yeah. a knock on any other line. They were just playing out of their mind. Not a knock at all. At the same time, Hayes disappears occasionally. There are usually two-week periods where he's just the mystery man. You don't really know where he is. You don't see him. You don't feel an impact from him on the ice. Um, he has his limitations defensively. I don't think there's any real way around explaining that beyond just saying he's limited in that capacity. And look, he's on a bridge deal. He doesn't have the $6.5 million contract saddled to him. You're going to get a very similar package straight up for Derek Stepan that you're going to get straight up for Kevin Hayes because people still believe the upside for Hayes. He's a cheap contract and he's a young player. So wouldn't you rather, if you're the Rangers, like Brandon said, you have a window with Hank, wouldn't you rather keep the better player head-to-head and still get the similar return? Yeah, I, I personally I, would. And I think, as you were saying, Lindbergh has great potential. I love what I've seen from Lindbergh. I want to see him get more ice time. 
but I'm also not going to have him be my number one center next year. I'd much rather ease him up the lineup and have him just take a spot on the third line. And then you can find a fourth line center. Um, I mean, you know, it would be better to have everyone, but we have to live in a realistic world. The Rangers have holes to fill. You got to make moves. So I, I really do think it's something. I mean, we had the conversation all last offseason if it was the right time to trade JT Miller. And it turned out no. And it was a good thing the Rangers <laughs> thought no. But I think this offseason, if you need to make a move via trade and you need to upgrade your defensive core, I really, I, I personally wouldn't trade Stepan. I would trade Hayes if I had to. I, I mean, you got to make the tough decisions to make your team better and you got to capitalize on Hank while you have him. So I step on is a better fit right now for this Ranger team. And yeah, you're mortgaging the future a little bit, but if you get the right defenseman for Hayes, I'd absolutely make the move. Going to my head. I think I agree with you. Uh, I can't Yeah. I, go on. It's fine. Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you too, Greg. I, I, I think like the thing with Hayes is he still only has, what does he have? One one year left on his deal. He's a free agent after next summer. Like his RFA deal, his bridge deal comes up. Right. And then we're gonna have to. So, so I, he, I think I think it's a bridge. I think he still has like an RFA year. Bridge deals are okay. weird. Like I don't think he's an outright unrestricted free agent. It might be a little different because he was a college free agent. College UFA, time. right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, all I know is if you're gonna trade Hayes, this is the off season to do it to capitalize on the, um return investment because the longer you wait the unless he you know breaks out but if he breaks out then you don't want to trade him at all so it's really it's it's a double-edged sword because Kevin Hayes is absolutely the kind of guy you could regret trading the very next day but you know you said it you said it well and I agree with it perfectly Derek Stepan is a better fit for this Ranger team next year and I think when you have someone like Henrik Lundqvist who you only have so many saves left in those pads. You kind of have to capitalize on what you have. Since uh, you, you did come on to pimp your Kovalchuk article, I do want to talk to you a little bit about that. Do you think the Islanders have any chance of trading for him? Does he even want to go to the Islanders? Well, I remember reading uh, Elliot Friedman's 30 Thoughts, and, and it keeps saying, it, for some reason, it kept bringing up the Islanders. And like I, I personally think it's it makes sense just from all like all all around all parties like the logistics the islanders need to sell john Tavares like that they're in it to win it that they're not just trying to you know milk time and get these prospects that never even turn out to be that good up um they need to get him a winger because josh bailey and and i don't know Anders lee and brock nelson just aren't cutting it they were the fourth line two years ago i mean yeah (laughs) exactly Now they're, exactly. now they're his line mates. So exactly. <laughs> so I mean, it, but it also comes back to like what the Devils want. Like t- to me, like what I've been poking around, like seeing what the Devils want as a return for Ilya Kovalchuk is is insane. Like a, a top pairing, def- like a, a young defenseman and a, and a draft pick. Like I'm not giving that up for Ilya Kovalchuk, especially with with his history. I mean, yeah, he's a great player. Don't get me. He was a great player in the NHL. But he's he's 34. He hasn't played in the NHL since before the lockout season, so the shortened season. And he, I mean, there's no way he's in similar shape. I mean, the KHL. Let's be. It's. I mean, it's great fun to watch just because of the the guys play offense more, and there's not as much coaching, and they just coach the life out of the game. But, but like that's a, it's an inferior league to the NHL. The athletes aren't the same. They're not probably in as good a shape. So I mean, to me, it, it just if the if the Devils are asking for so much for him. I don't think they're going to get anything in return. I do think the Islanders are a good fit, though, just for like they need to sell John Tavares that they are, they're trying to win. Like they're not just buying time here. Let me ask this: in a cap-free world, 
say like, you know, we had, the Rangers had a limited money. Would you want Kovalchuk on this team? Oh, yeah, I probably would. In a cap-free world, a cap-free I, would, world. I, I mean, yeah, how, how can you not? I mean, you put him, they, <laughs> they need the trigger man on the power play so badly, like on the left wing, that I would love him. But like, I, there's just so many question marks about him. Like, it's just, it's hard to, to give up a valuable asset, in my mind, to give up any type of asset for a guy who just has so many question marks. Like, like the, 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 like, I'm not a big, this guy, like, all, you see all those fans, like, this guy doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care at all. Like, this, he, he hates playing. Like, he wants out. He, he just quit. He quit on the team. Like, Ilya Kovalchuk, he quit. He actually quit. He literally quit. He literally left. He literally left. He, he walked out on a 15 year contract. So, like, that's the definition of quitting to me. Does he come, when he comes back, does he have that contract still, or how does that work? They have to uh, re sign him. Sign him. Yeah, but I think the Devils own his rights. Like, if the Devils don't re-sign him, they can trade him before a team negotiates. Yeah, he has to be a sign-and-trade. So they have to sign him first and then complete the trade with the other right. team. So it's, it's like a, it's a legit, it's like an NBA trade almost. Okay. Yeah, and Kovalchuk's already backed himself into a corner. He's already said he either wants to play in, around New York City or he wants to play in Florida. And, you know, there are only so many teams that fit that criteria. The Great. Lightning are not going to trade for him. Um, no the Panthers could, but it's one of those things where I don't know why they would. It would require assets that didn't be moving. Um, the Rangers, I mean, we've beaten a dead horse. Ilya Kovalchuk is not even in the top 10 of things the Rangers need to be competitive next year. I mean, you did. The Rangers absolutely could use a trigger man on the left wing on the power play, but we have about four defensive spots we need to worry about first before <laughs> yeah. we talk on the power play. And one of those defensive spots needs to be a power, uh, a quarterback on the power play. So, you know, with a limited... Well, we have Adam Condetting, though. We have Adam Condetting. We don't need anything on the power play. We're good. He's money. He's money. Adam. Just let him play, for God's sake. Adam, come on the podcast. Come on. Do you know about about our Adam Condetting saga? I I saw that he... What does he like every time you tweet at him? He likes the hard tweets. (laughs) It's not just just us. Other people will ask, like, Condetting, are you going on the podcast? Are you going on Butcher's Breakaway? It's unreal. He's got it. I mean, I bet you as soon as... That UFA July first, he's gonna hop right on when well, a, when AB isn't around him. He's restricted. Yeah, he might be restricted. He might. I think oh the Rangers have his rights. Um, but I poor guy. I, I don't know this, Clendenning. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but there are there are strong indications that uh, he might be going to Europe next year. So once that I happens, would go to Europe if I was him too. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where the poor guy. If you can't crack the Rangers' defensive core, who can? Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, you're not getting another job around the league if, if, if you can't get in the Rangers defense lineup. That's the thing, though. He's good. Like, every time he plays, he's fine. At, but we're not here to talk about Clendenning. You know, I tweeted at you because you listed six reasons why it doesn't make sense. And it's honestly <laughs> only one six. six. But the <laughs> most six, important right? one is like, you really only have to look at number one. And number one is he doesn't play defense. Like, not it at doesn't all. matter. And I know what you're saying about he went back to the KHL. We saw it with Yager. You can take a sabbatical, go to the KHL. Since it's an easier league, it's basically like extended spring training where he gets to rest his body and build his strength back up. So you could make an argument that he could come back better than ever, even at the age of 34. But, yeah, if I'm the Rangers, your problem is not addressed or solved by adding Ilya Kovalchuk. And at the same time, you know, it would require a trade with the Devils. Do you really want to give the Devils – no valuable asset (laughs) yeah exactly that's the thing with the islanders they make perfect sense for a kovalchuk trade but do they really want to trade someone to the devils that is going to be of value to the devils in the long term so 
it's really one of those things where I look at the teams Kovalchuk has said he wants to play for, and in my mind, if he's not playing for the Devils, I guess it's the Panthers. But I don't think the Panthers make that trade. I really don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I, it doesn't make any sense for them. You know, they, they're trying to get rid of old guys and go younger. So why would they want to add another one? Like, Yager's not going to be back with them this next year, I don't think so. And I, I don't. They're they're like an analytics run team. So I I think those guys are so against trading assets for a, a guy with like thirty four year old who's probably going to cost like he's going to want a lot of money. This guy. I cannot wait till he's a fucking Ranger. I just <laughs> like I can't wait till Kovachuk is on the Rangers this next year, and we go I back to I this heard, podcast. I think I heard scuttlebutt that if Kovalchuk backs off of wanting to play in those two specific markets. Uh, the Canadians might be an interesting spot for him because yeah, that makes sense because the whole Radulov thing. Radulov loves him. Radulov wants to re-sign in Montreal. You could see a scenario in which Kovalchuk plays for the Canadians, but at the same time, that would require Kovalchuk coming off his demand of being close to his family in New York City or playing in a tax-free state. And I'm just I'm not 100. percent He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would come off a demand. Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so, Greg, any other questions you got for Brandon before we get out of here? Well, let's – I mean, everybody has a blueprint for how the Rangers need to improve themselves. We've talked avoiding Kovalchuk. We've talked about all the, you know, tea leaves pointing to Shattenkirk coming to the Rangers. How, what, what, that's clearly not enough. What other moves would you do? How would you – say you have five moves to fix the Rangers, Brandon. How would you do it? Yeah, well, well, one is for sure, like the Shattenkirk thing. I think you you just gotta bring him in. You gotta you gotta bite the bullet and, and do the term and the cost and, and bring him in because he's just such a the need is so big for him. Um, other the second one, I'd probably say you gotta bring Brendan Smith back. Uh, despite what the cost might be, like I I, I was so impressed by the way he played in the playoffs. He was fantastic. He's a he looked like the perfect top four defenseman, number four guy. You play him on the PK, you don't worry about him anything else. He's steady. You could keep him with Brady Shea. There's your number two pair next year. You got yep. Shea Smith, Shattenkirk, and uh, McDonough. and McDonough. But other than that, like it, it someone up front has got to go. Like it's just it's it's logistically and and cap wise, like someone's got to go in order to make room for everything else that's coming. You know, mid Zabana Jazz new deal, bringing in Shattenkirk, re-signing Smith. So I think to me, there's three guys. Um, like the two we mentioned already, Stepan and Hayes. And and while I I wouldn't want to like I'm not the biggest Chris Kreider fan but I get how good he is but I would just poke around and see what the return for him could be be just because okay. I feel like so many people would love to get him and but like I like like you said it's it's tough because all these guys are so they're good they're all good you know they could all play in the top 6 top 9 move them up and down the line a power play penalty kill but like just someone's got to go and and Kreider like I love the way he uh, he he's so you talk about inconsistency. Like that guy is so inconsistent, and it just drives me nuts sometimes. But he's yeah, also I, like there was there was a time, and Ryan remembers the time where just about every other week I would say, "Now's the time to trade Chris Kreider." I, I I think I went Ryan. I think I went this whole season without mentioning trading Chris Kreider. You did. I'm like Chris Kreider <laughs> fanboy number one, which I know sucks. Uh, it's not really a great place <laughs> to be. But like when he turns it on, he's my favorite hockey player bar none. Like he Oh, he's electric. When he crashes like the last twenty minutes of the Senators game when we got eliminated, unfortunately. When he started playing, I was like, There he is. Where was this guy? Like, this is the Chris Kreider I've been looking for this whole season. He was incredible. Like, how does he not have that like at least for one period of game? I don't understand. 
It yeah, it's mind-boggling. Mind -boggling. Like when he just he'll, he'll he'll skate by people. You know, he won't follow his rebound. He'll just whirl around and like he won't stop on a puck. He won't he won't do stops and starts. He'll just glide around. And then like you see him, like you said, third period in that game game six, he was just a menace. He was double, literally the best. Double shifted and every other shift for the whole yeah, period. And he just looked like he was shot out of a cannon every time he went up the ice. He he was banging people on the board, stopping, starting. You know, not giving up on plays, crashing to the net after he shoots the puck. So it's just. Like he's got a he's got a pretty good deal. I think what was it like four years and like a little over four million. Yeah, it was so, it was it was pretty team friendly. Guy speaks five languages, yeah. is a genius, and can't follow up on his pucks. I just don't understand. <laughs> I, I I love him. I want him on this team, and I just I, I wouldn't want to trade him. That's just I wanted to get my two cents out there. Yeah, I, you know, like a, a team, the team to me, like that you should like they should be looking at is Anaheim. Like the, I would try to purge a defenseman from the Ducks. At all costs. I don't think at that's a secret, costs. though. I think every team's trying to do that. Like, everyone, yeah, everyone's yeah. like, hey, it, what's up? The the Ducks are looking for that. They're probably going to lose Silverberg in the in the expansion draft, too, if they if they don't lose a defenseman. Because I think they're going to try to keep the defense core together. And then Silverberg is a guy I don't think they can protect, given their no movement clauses and all that. So I would just, you know, whether it's Montour or whether it's uh Lindholm I'm a big Lindholm guy I, I love watching Hampus Lindholm play and like Greg was saying before you know his value has decreased a little bit because of the slow start he had with the contract holdout so I mean if, if you're making calls I, I would definitely make a call there but I mean you, you just gotta someone's gotta go up front it's just the sad nature of what the the, the situation the Rangers put themselves in by by these defensive contracts you, you gotta move someone up front to get someone back on D it is, it is crazy to think, though, where the Rangers might be in a position where they trade someone like Kevin Hayes to the Ducks. They sign Shattenkirk and re-sign Smith, and all of a sudden, Cam Fowler, a guy who Ranger fans have wanted as a top-four defenseman, if the Rangers make all their defensive moves that they should, Cam Fowler would be a third-D pairing for the Rangers yeah. next year. Talk about, talk about a complete 180 in your defensive ranks where you know the report today is you know, Smith wants um, a four by four or four by four and a half, which I think is totally reasonable and fair. And if you're the Rangers, I think that's a easily swallowable deal because it's movable. Even if yeah. uh, he regresses a little bit, you can find a taker for that contract. I think anyone thinking Shattenkirk will settle for five by five is a little nuts. You're crazy, yeah. son. You're, you're, talking, <laughs> you're talking more like five by six, maybe even six and a half. And even that. If you're the Rangers, think you got to do it. You kind of put yourself in a situation where that's a contract you just have to take on. So then you're talking about, you know, Kevin Hayes and a draft pick for a Cam Fowler, for Fowler to play on the third line, potentially with either like Pionk or Berezgalov. And all of a sudden the Rangers, that's not just a, a great defense. Deep defense, but a very talented one. I mean, and you still have Ryan Graves sitting in the wings. Mark Stahl's going to be on that team. Like, I don't know what you guys are thinking. He's going to be here. Like, he's not going anywhere. He's I, I, I really do think there's a way to flip Stahl for a bad contract for, like, if you're moving Hayes and you want to bring in someone that could play a third or fourth line center, you can find a bad contract for Mark the, Stahl. The I thing I keep seeing floated is, uh, is Edmonton for some reason, for, for like an Eberly or something. But I would if I'm Edmonton, would I not want to get on get on, get away from that Lucic contract? That's like seven yeah. million they're paying him. Yeah, that, that was such a Peter Torelli is such a bad general manager. He's gonna win GM of the year because they got Connor McDavid. Like yeah, he's that's gonna win GM of the year because McDavid didn't get hurt. Like Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> McDavid Wait. didn't get hurt and Taylor Hall struggled in New Jersey, so apparently Adam <laughs> Larson is God, and that guy's gonna win GM of the year. Why do oh, I man. want Lucic though? 
<laughs> you want Lucic because it gets you out from stall. And if you're the Rangers, the Rangers, what Edmonton needed Lucic to do is not what the Rangers will need Lucic to do. Lucic can float between the third and fourth line and present some options on the power play, but the Rangers don't need to play him. I mean, it's 8V. He'll play him 20 minutes a game, but they don't have yeah, to. Yeah. Um, need that grit. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's not so much who the Rangers are getting back, it's who the Rangers are getting rid of and what it frees the Rangers up to do. It, I honestly would probably trade Stahl. I would love Stahl for Eberle. That I would do that um, twice on Sundays. But if it was someone like Lucic for Stahl, I would still do it. I, just a, I'm fine with Lucic. He's a poor man's Rick Nash on the third line. I mean, yeah. he's, he's not what he was when he was winning Stanley Cups, but he's still an effective player. He's just overpriced. And the difference between him and Stahl is Stahl is ineffective and overpriced. So yeah. if, if I can get an effective guy that's just getting paid too much, I'd do it every day. He goes just as far as Stahl, though, just even further. He's signed till 2022, 23 season. Yeah, it's, but that's, you're not going to get a guy on a walk year for Mark Stahl. It's just not going to happen. So yeah. Lucic's contract take, isn't that bad at all, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I it's mean, not, he's over. He's overpriced, but so is Mark Stahl. So yeah, if you're going to trade an overpriced defenseman for an overpriced ring, winger, that you don't have to do that every day. To play top six minutes. I'm going to do that every day. Yeah, exactly. he's a six million cap it. Yeah, it's not that bad. No, okay. but but I think Stahl's five five point seven annually. Yeah, so he's yeah. taking on a little money, but I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over you know three hundred thousand dollars. And in the long run, you don't have to buy him out, which is just huge. By the right. way, just side note, if someone burned $300,000 in front of me, I would lose sleep. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely lose sleep. I mean, it's not my $300,000. Right. It'd be weird to see. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch the live stream, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get out of here, I got to ask you two questions. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely not. Okay. Why do I like? I gotta screen these people better just, before I ask them. Just letting, just letting that one sink in. And I need to know what your favorite candy bar is. It's just kind of like we do on this show. I'm a Kit Kat guy. Oh, breaking it off! Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm a, how do I'm you a feel about? How do you feel about almond joys? Uh, they're all right. Uh, that's what not, I'm saying. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. Not my worst. I mean, that's that's an easy way to say if he doesn't have an almond joy for the rest of his life, he won't exactly cry. He'll be okay. Now, is it sacrilege for you when you see someone instead of breaking off the individual wafer that they just bite into it? Yeah, like I hate whole, that. The that, whole four or the whole two? That, you get that shit drives me nuts. Drives me crazy. You just eat, respect respect the Kit Kat. Eat it the right way. Hey, man, eat, eat your food the way you want. It's an experience through you. It's a religious <laughs> experience. If you want to take a bite of the whole thing, fuck the system is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't really care. Absolutely. So, all right, man. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. You guys can check out Brendan Fitzpatrick on Gotham Sports, which is GothamSN.com. Did I say that correctly? Yep, yep. All right, you got you, you post out there, man. What's your, what Twitter yeah, handles? Pip, get, get pip it up, son. Sure, I, I'm uh, I'm at Fitzy GSN now. I actually just changed that. Um, you can find my Rangers articles there. Uh, I'm also hosting a, a gambling podcast with one of my buddies oh, for, for Gotham too. God. So when, uh, when are we coming on? <laughs> well, if, if, ignore, ignore, ignore Ryan. If you want to know how to lose money, I'm your guy. Yeah. No, I had <laughs> I had an all right. You, I had an all right Randy podcast, man. Open invitation to you too. Okay. I had a, I had an all right weekend at the Preakness. I hit a couple matchups that I was very happy with. Not bad. Not bad. I'm actually I have a, a couple futures on Nashville. So if they if they win tonight, I'm going to be sitting nice, sitting real nice. All right, we're, we're going to have to make the, a uh, guest appearance on that where Greg will talk and I'll just laugh in the background. Yeah. Um. I, had, I had the most 
I had a five team soccer parlay yesterday, but the five teams I picked were all like minus nine hundred to win. That it paid, it paid out nothing. Greg is, but it was it was pretty funny. Greg has a legitimate problem. Money. Yeah, I, I have it. Hey, so do I. I can't talk. Yeah, I can. So I will. I will come and laugh in the background of that podcast. We'll see you on there. Uh, any any final any final things you want to pimp out before you get out of here? No, no, that's it. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, it, it was real fun, and, and uh, you guys are doing great work over here. I love listening to the show. Thanks, bro. We are we are fans of uh, the rival podcast that lives on your network, which I will not name <laughs> uh, for right now, as he continues to tweet at players to come on their podcast. Congratulations on getting Grabber to respond to you in person that I will not name, Brian. <laughs> so, uh, all right, man. We'll, we'll, we'll have you back on soon. Have a great day. Peace out. All right. Thanks again, fellas. And we're back with the nonsense section of Guardians of the Galaxy. If you have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we will be talking spoilers right now. Oh, so, yeah. if you have not seen it and you want to come back to this part, you can always come back to this part of this podcast. Come by and say, oh, I want to know what Greg and Ryan thought of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now's the time. If you've not, le- not seen it at all, or you don't care, or no, if you don't see it, if you haven't seen it, let me make sense here. If you haven't seen it, go away. It's time to go. Thanks for coming today. Follow us on Twitter at Blizzard's Break. We love you. See you next week. Uh, at the you- same time, at the same time, it's been out three weeks. At this point, if you if you really wanted to see Guardians of the Galaxy, you've you would, seen it you by now. Seen it. So I'm not I'm not too worried about the people who are, well, don't spoil it. I'm waiting until it comes out on Netflix. Fuck you, no. first of all. Whoa, with the Second, curse, don't tell, we'll see you next week. Hey, you curse other people that are fans. Not our fans. But come back next we week. Have, love you. I still don't believe we have fans. Okay. <laughs> I know Brandon I know Brandon said really nice things about us it's true. when he uh, signed off, but I think he's lying. We he made a joke him. about the three people from the beginning, and that was like Steve and like two other people. Steve! I think they're still around. I don't know if Steve's been around. I don't know what's happening now. I don't I don't, I don't know. I, I he hasn't liked one of our posts in quite a while. Worry about you, Steve. Let us know if you're around. Steve, if you're around, hit us up on the SoundCloud to give us that heart. So we, we should have Steve on one week. I At least for five minutes just to say hello. Just to say, Steve, thanks for listening from the first episode. That's crazy. I'm the junk. He's our number one fan. Yeah, it was crazy. All right, let's talk about this movie. Greg, I have, I know, will you give your opinion first and I will rebuttal. No, I, I okay. feel like you need to give me yours first. This movie was butt. <laughs> I... <laughs> and that's why I need you to give it first. This... Why was it butt? This... I'll give you a chat. Why was it butt? Okay, I have a lot of reasons why this movie was butt. And I, give, me, I... give me three. Start with three. Okay, it's the same plot as the last movie. In the How last... is it the same plot? Okay, you learn the same, it doesn't move the plot along. This, the plot of the first movie is uh, Quill realizes that he needs his friends to move on. He doesn't need his family. And once he has his friends, he everything's okay. The exact same thing happens in the second movie where he doesn't need his – he realizes, oh, I have all these friends. I'm good. Oh, wait, my father. Wait, I don't need him because I have my friends. Now, there's another part of this movie which is also ridiculous. That is Baby Groot is a minion. He's just a despicable me minion. If you do not see that, that is – crazy i know everyone thinks he's adorable and i get it but to me he's just annoying they don't they kind of force him down your throat especially in the opening sequence and he's just a giant marketing ploy i like big Groot from the first movie he's and i should say right now i'll get this out of the way guardians of the galaxy one is my favorite marvel movie it's not close it's such an enjoyable movie it's a perfect film to watch and enjoy i'm gonna let you finish your third point before i call you a fucking idiot so go ahead that's fine ego is a lame character and the wow Yes, a lame character. His entire existence, the fact that Quill now loses his god powers once you can nuke a brain? How are you letting him nuke a brain? Ego, even, stops Baby Groot from almost nuking him at one point by grabbing him. But since he's fighting Quill, who have suddenly become Superman, out of nowhere, by the way, and 20 minutes earlier could not home a ball of lightning in his hands, but then all of a sudden could fly with his own power, could become Pac-Man, could control matter... Uh, this seems like a very Star Wars Ray situation where she could force pull and 
do a life do lightsaber battle and mind read before anything else. He just got all the powers immediately. And when he was hitting the form of Ego, he was able to knock him out. Like that's not even in his real existence. It doesn't make any sense. And then then now that he now he blows blows up his brain and now suddenly Peter doesn't have the genetics of a god anymore. So what even happened? Does this story even make sense? Let me sense? go back to your first point. Okay. Let me go back to your first point. All right. Let's do it. You're wrong about the plot not being moved forward. We learned some important things. What do we learn? First of all, the plot, the plot of the first movie was not Quill realizing he doesn't need family. It was Quill thinking he already knew who his family was. He thought his friends were his family. This one, he's actually introduced to family and he becomes overwhelmed with this feeling of acceptance immediately and love by someone who is of blood relation in some way, shape, or form to him, which overtakes his previous connotations of family. It changes his entire viewpoint on what he had and what he's willing to give up to realize what family truly is. And he had to give up a lot to realize what family truly is. So take a step, take a step back. You're fucked up. Wait, wait, That's hold not on. Fair. What did he give up? He didn't give up anything. His dad. No, he, he gave up his father. He, I, look, this his is, dad this murdered is, millions is, of kids. Classic. Ryan, who doesn't have a father Don't figure in his here. life, to not understand what your actual father of means. Of course, to Ryan didn't like Classic the dad. Ryan. Classic Ryan. Uh, listen, you don't have a dad, so you can't relate. Oh I get it. God. That's why we hate. Well, let's talk about the other soul. dad figure in this movie. Yondu smuggled kids who he got killed for years, and then gets a funeral. What did he do to redeem himself? How did he redeem himself? He saved the universe, bro. How did he save he the universe? Saved he saved the universe by getting rid of Ego oh because Ego planted God. all those flowers which were going to literally overwhelm planets and eliminate life on those planets so Ego could be the singular being in the entire universe. Oh, my God. He, so he stopped that from happening. Quill stopped that from happening. He, Quill's not able to do it without Yond, uh, Yondu. Okay, fine. And Yondu, like, uh, suddenly becomes, like, this dad figure to Quill when he literally hunted him down and tried to kill him for years? Like, oh, I was actually your dad. Sorry, man. Like, well, that doesn't make the, any sense. The the threat of killing someone and actually ever being able to go through with it are two very different things. He did hunt him down. It's not like there's... But he never killed him. Okay, that's fair. He, he, one way or the other, look, you should know this better than most. Just, <laughs> having a father figure in your life, good or bad, is still a father figure. Oh, so God. Yondu, was he the perfect father? No. Did he teach Quill shit that Quill needed to learn? Yes. Does that make him a father figure? Yeah, absolutely. There's just so many weird story arcs in this movie that just didn't sit well with me. Like, Batista's character. Uh, uh, phenomenal. He see, should win an Oscar. For me, like, okay, Batista plays the role really well, but Drax is supposed to be, like, this also badass character. And you don't only get, like, you don't really get any of that from him. You get, like, the comic relief of him the entire time. The guy is, like, a planet murderer. Like, he should still be a badass at some points, but there's no point in this movie where he's a badass. Like, even when he jumps inside the monster in the opening monologue, he's just, like, pointlessly stabbing along like that Yo, he doesn't know that yeah but uh yes he does it's, he doesn't it's, know it's that. comical no the thing that's funny about drax is he thinks he's being a badass and he can be at any point in time he's still one tough motherfucker but the comic relief in drax is he lives in his own world he doesn't see sarcasm or any of the other you know bodily quirks that you or i will so he just reacts to everything at face value, which makes him funny. Even though he's one of the toughest guys in the world. There are, and quite honestly, are, is there much he does in the first movie that proves he's a badass? Uh, Not really. I don't remember. I'll be honest. But 
Okay, there are some good jokes in this movie. I'll give you that. There are a lot of forced jokes also. I think there was too many penis jokes. Is there so much? Is there such a thing? To me, there was too no, much. No, you're, you're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> there was just I, I really, I really, I don't know. I don't know how to help you here. There was, I, I, just, I don't think you're gonna help me. I'm just trying to tell you, like, I didn't really I enjoy just, the movie that much. I did see it alone. I'm, I should I'm state this. Of, I saw it alone in an empty theater by myself with the garbage bags covering over <laughs> the empty chairs yeah, that were out of order. Unreal on your end. I will say this. That I, I, I don't want to totally steal this from Greg Wyshynski because he mentioned this on Puck Soup. Okay, I didn't listen. It is, in my mind, one of the darkest storylines Marvel has ever decided to go with as the villainy plot twist. The fact that, you know, the villain in the movie turns out to be Quill's dad. That's pretty dark. I mean, I guess I'm used to that lifestyle, so it wasn't really a big surprise for me. But, like, think of, you know... Every Marvel movie, every tough fatherly figure. I mean, even freaking um, Tony Stark's dad, who what we always thought was this, you know, rugged, rough, badass guy, always at the end of the day was trying to make Tony better than he was. And they have a come to Jesus moment in the second Iron Man, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, it's a twist it's- where I, I kind of saw it coming. But at the same time, was still so surprised by it because it's just so dark. There's no, there's only two good Marvel enemies. There's three actually in total. The three are, and one of them is not even licensed by Marvel. It's Loki, which Loki's a great character. Why? That's why they keep bringing him back. Then Thanos, which will be the character that they're fighting against in the next two movies for the Ultimate Avengers. And the third character, and it's the best Marvel villain in the entire series, is Magneto. It's not even close. It's not even close. I don't even consider the X-Men Marvel. Like, I know they are, but... They are. Get out of here. Okay, fine. Someone still needs to write down on a list the chronological order of those (laughs) X-Men movies, and I'll finally watch all of them. I will say, I mean, Logan's fantastic, but in my mind, Logan is standalone. It's standalone. Logan has nothing to do with anything else. No. I need... Ryan, one day, seriously, write down in a list, chronologically, not... Not the time in which they came out, like the actual year. Chronologically, like, what is the first movie I'm supposed to know of this series? Tomorrow at noon, my Twitter, Orion Mead, Chronological X-Men. There you go. Right, but again, not like the year the movies are released. Right, the actual timeline. The actual timeline, like young Dr. Xavier to Logan. Yep, first class is the first one. I need that timeline. Yep. Okay, we'll do that. Because I don't... It's just, I've been too many. There's I don't two, fucking know. Because there's two timelines, and I'll explain all of that. It, that doesn't make any fucking sense. There's two sense. timelines, and they get changed. It's just how this Days of Future Past works. That's the whole story. Write them down. and I, I'll, I swear to God, if you write them down, I will watch them. Fine. Uh, but going back to Guardians... You don't want to watch some of those, just so you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll just suck it up. I watched the second Fast and Furious. It's just something you got to get through. Oh, okay. Um, going back to okay. Guardians. I just can't disagree with you more. I, I honestly thought... I like this one better than the first one. You're crazy, Greg, for that. That's when you like no. ask me if I, I'm never. I'm, I'm not. I'm only as mad as when you ask me if it's a burrito or a sandwich. That's similar as to <laughs> the rage I have inside no, me. I, I, because I think the other everyone, two storylines are even crappier. Like the Rocket Raccoon thing is like, hey man, I know you're a loner. I'm a loner too. We're both loners together. And uh, he's been with Groot his whole life. He's not a loner. He doesn't push people away. He has like a best friend. He obviously cares about. We find that out in the first movie. And then the sister's story with Gamora. And what's her name? I totally forget. Nebula. 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 Uh, who uh, is played by someone who's very, rather attractive and is bald and blue the entire movie. 
they don't really move forward either. Like, oh, they try and kill each other. If any of those, like, they're shooting legit guns at each other. They're shooting to kill. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, but we're actually sisters. Even though I got all your arms and legs ripped off of you and your eyeball. Uh, but we're good now, kind of, but I kind of still hate you. Like, what do we even learn there? I don't know. That was, that, to me, that was dumb. And was there a real fight scene in this movie? Like, what was the real fight scene? The arrow scene? I I think there are a lot of I Did this movie, first of all, the chase away from the video game rocket ships. Okay. Pretty great. The scene you hate where Quill realizes that the power is within his heart the entire time and to stop thinking about when he becomes Superman for three minutes and it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. He actually becomes Pac-Man for three minutes. So back off even stupider. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) I know. I know. I know how I'm locking it up right now. It's just not. You have the scene where rocket raccoon is planning all the traps for the scavengers. You have the, I don't know how you, this movie doesn't have any fight scenes. How do you watch the freaking arrow scene? The arrow scene is good. The arrow scene is good. Literally piercing everybody in the spaceship with a fucking arrow. That's cool. That was a cool scene. I'll, I'll give you that. And the Hasselhoff joke was amazing. That was a great, great joke. Well, well-timed and well-put. And I like that. I mean, I, as someone that's been just crushing cheers, I really love that out of nowhere came the cheers storyline. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know you like the cheers stuff, but I, I thought oh my God. Was, was forced. I'm up to like episode 10 of season eight. And Mary, the Mary Poppins line, of course, rather good. So. <laughs> it's a great movie. Like it, it's not good. I don't know how you go see. It's, I don't know how you go see that movie and not have a good time. It's I. I guess. Well, I, guess I know how. I, never mind. I know how you do. You don't have a father figure in your life. So. <laughs> no. You, you were just jealous the entire movie. That's what you come I off. I was probably as. pissed off. I mean, I'm sorry to be such a, like a downer on Guardians of the Galaxy two, but I was just not about it I, at all. What can What can did you get before the movie? I got bunch of crush. All right. See, that's like the one thing we agree on. Yeah, bunch of crush was the go. Bunch of crunch is the only like. In order for me to have a candy that's not Bunch of Crunch at a movie theater, I have to first buy Bunch of Crunch and then want to spend on another candy. I mean, I got, I looked at the snow caps, and snow caps were like my go-to as a kid, and I think I was just misled. Like that was uh, snow caps are like Twiz- Twizzlers. No, Twizzlers man. were my jam. Nah, no Twizzlers were my jam. No and thanks. then from Twizzlers, I moved on to Starburst. But the problem with Starburst, you can't really do individually wrapped candies in a movie. Yeah, it's weird. It's not great. No. It's not great. And then, and then like, where, where do you put the wrappers? Where do you put them? Are you putting them back in the bag? Like, Bunch of Crunch are perfect. They're, They're the, the perfect movie candy, and I don't understand why anyone would go to a movie and not eat Bunch of Crunch. It's incredible that we Fine, agree. If you, want, if you want popcorn, whatever, that's on you. I personally am not a big popcorn at a movie guy. I don't like how greasy it makes my hands oh. and my beard, first and foremost. Do you know what I like to do? I like to get a small popcorn and a small Bunch of Crunch, and you eat them together. Bunch of Crunch is perfect as is. Why do I need a fucking? I like up? to do the salt and sweet combo. I'm a big, you know. I like to mix my palate up. Yeah, clearly you're an idiot. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me that you don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. So well, listen, I, the one thing that came out of this movie that was rather good is that in the next movie we're going to see Adam Warlock, and if you guys aren't nerds, which you're probably not, Adam Warlock is cool. awesome, and you'll be excited about him. So there you go. Cool. I I have no idea what you're talking about because I I don't need to know. I enjoyed the second one plenty. There you go. I didn't, and uh, I I actually had way better points than what I've made today elsewhere, but I, I can't bring them all up right now because I just can't think of them. So I wish I did this. I wish I recorded it right away, but I didn't. So that's my fault. That is classic Ryan. You're right still there. here. You're still listening. Uh, we have some announcements to make. You can follow oh. us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. You uh, could. Uh, you can we're also. Over, we're over 320 followers now. Right. Pretty good. Uh, you can go on Facebook, like our Facebook page. And, and hey, I saw another podcast of our rivals, our rival podcast. I'm going to talk some shit right now. 
They had a lot uh-huh. of they had a lot of five star reviews on iTunes. We have about twelve. They have oh, like forty three. Someone wants to we go. We have twelve. Yeah, we have twelve. It's incredible. And they're like from they're all pretty good. Yeah. Um, but if you guys well, you want know to what go, they do, what they uh they do giveaways for their five star reviews. Oh, is that what happened? Because you, I I saw. If, how about this? Yeah. How about this? We have enough. Uh, we have enough T-shirts. Where I, I have a ton of extra large T-shirts left, like a ton of them. So we, if you give us a five-star review, and you take a picture of that five-star review and tweet that picture at us, we will choose three of our followers who give us a review, tweet us a picture of the review, and I will send you an extra large we'll T-shirt. Choose, <laughs> we'll choose three of you, and we'll give you a T-shirt. I'll send you an extra three large times. T-shirt you can play in the gym or sleep in. Also, I need to remind, I need to tell you something that I don't know if you're aware of. Okay. I have a, uh, I made a bet with a, Stop. a you? Of ours. Um, and it involves the U.S. men's national soccer team. How, why would you bet on if, that? If, uh, if they don't make the World Cup in 2018, I owe someone a t-shirt, just so you know. Okay, but they're going to make the World Cup. Why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, my point is, yes, they are going to make the World Cup. I agree with you. Uh, they have backed themselves into quite a corner, though. Okay. I would be shocked. Uh, yeah, just USA just so you, just so you know, just so you know, there's a there's a bet out there with one of our listeners. His name is Edward. Uh, up, if Edward? if for whatever reason the U.S. men's national team does not make the World Cup in 2018, we owe someone a T-shirt. But speaking of T-shirts, if you want one, five star review, screenshot it, send us a picture on our Twitter account at Blue Shirts Break. We will choose three of you, and we will send you a T-shirt. And I will mail that is in, what we will do. I, and I will only mail within the United States. <laughs> so there you go. Or on uh, naval ships that are technically United States territories. We should have done all this plugging before we did Guardians of the Galaxy, and we told everyone to leave. But uh, there's a there's this thing called the interwebs where I can tweet what yes, we are saying. Incredible. Let's talk about see. this last thing. We're gonna make this big announcement next week. Uh, we're gonna well, we'll tease it a little bit now. There's a way you could support podcasts online. And we're going to be launching our support next week. So if you guys are willing to support us and you've been through us through with us through and through, uh, we'll be giving you more information about that next week. So stay tuned. And it's it's more than just free T-shirts it's, it's by great. giving us five star reviews, but you should also give us five star reviews because we love you and you know we, we're there for you. Speaking of which, right. Greg was a Greg was a great individual to one of our fans today. We have a ninth grader who listens to our show. I believe her name is Emma, not to give it away. And she asked if we could help her with her final for English on NHL history. Greg pretty much wrote it for her. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know if she wanted 2,000 words, but she got them. She got them. She, she, got a, she got a lot of stuff on Wayne Gretzky that I don't know if she was prepared for. She might not um, have been. But... Uh, you, you know, what was I going to say? I was going to say something and okay. you... I cut you off. You cut me off. I did. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone, this week. While Greg finishes this up, we'll be back next week. I think we might have another guest. Uh, Greg has told me. So I'm working on things. I got I got some uh, I got some things on burners and cooking and stuff and food and the expansion draft is the 21st and the actual draft is the 24th. We will have James on for the actual draft after that happens, and he'll talk all the prospects with us, and we'll go from there. Did you think of what? You uh, the- I'm just going to remind everyone, the Mets are terrible. And that's really all that we hey, need to say on you that. you know what's actually incredible? No. It is about an hour and 30 minutes since this podcast, I think. This, that's the first Mets reference we've had. No, oh, I said Noah Syndergaard's name earlier. Mm, that's true. You're right. Okay. Oh, I, I will yeah. also say, though, however, on this day in 1998, the Mets traded uh, Preston Wilson, Ed Yarnall, and a third minor leaguer to the Florida Marlins for Mike Piazza. So, happy Mike Piazza Day. There you go. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.